Hey guys, Kyle back with Kyle Bros. Another podcast. This is episode eight. Uh, been off for a while, just waiting for the finals to end. A lot to get into the NBA. Got college football, NFL. A lot of NFL talk. Combat sports is booming right now. A lot of fights being booked. Then we'll get into some f- more favorite lists at the end. I'll start out the NBA. Um, first, we'll talk about. First, we're gonna talk about the uh, coaches. Then we'll get into the Lakers, get into some five blockbuster trades that Bleacher Report said would shake up the offseason. Then we'll get into my 2020 NBA Mock Draft 1.0. Start out with a Pelicans are now eyeing Stan Van Gundy. He met with him twice now. I don't I'm not huge on that move. I don't I just think Stan Van Gundy's just he's not a today's coach. It's what I said about Tom Thibodeau. For the Knicks, I just don't think he coaches well in today's basketball, so I don't I don't see that as a very good hire by the Pels. But we'll see what happens. Pacers really like Pelicans assistant Chris Finch, but they will also meet with two Miami Heat assistants. Ty Lue is still the favorite for the Clippers job. Um, they have made a decision. I think they're still interviewing guys, but he's the favorite as of right now. Jeff Van Gundy will interview with the Rockets again today. He met with them yesterday. I believe he meets them to, again today or tomorrow, either either one. I do like that hire by the Rockets. I think Van Gundy can come coaching today. Jeff can. I think he can. Uh, Knicks have a trade lined up for CP3, they say, but the Bucks and the Sixers will be... Also in play for Chris Paul. And the Lakers are 2020 NBA champions. Anthony Davis gets his first title. LeBron James gets his fourth. He's the first player in NBA history to win three different three finals MVPs with three different organizations. Congrats to the Los Angeles Lakers. Tremendous run they had in the playoffs. 16-5. You know, it was gentleman sweeps all the way to the finals. Um... Miami Heat, congratulations to them too. They were they were tough. You know, they had two tremendous games. Jimmy Butler had two tremendous games to give them hope. I just I knew they'd burn out of gas. You know, when you run a seven man, eight man rotation, the Lakers go ten can go ten deep. So when you run a seven man rotation, you're gonna get tired, and I knew that. I knew you could tell after every the game they won, game they won game three. They were blown out the first two, they won game three. You could tell they were a little bit tired in game four. And then they were rested up for game five after the three-day break. Or the two-day, you get a two-day break in between instead. You know, you're, you they played Tuesday, and then they were off Wednesday, Thursday. They played Friday, played really well. Butler had another tremendous game. LeBron had 40 in that one, and they were still able to get it done. And then game six, they were done. It was over. Um, you could just tell with how tired they were, they were not going to be able to put together four wins. And I knew that coming in. I, I, I said Heat. I said Lakers in five. I did think the Lakers would get it done Friday. I didn't think they would give the Heat any hope. Um, but the Heat, the Lakers played, or LeBron played so good in game five, the Heat had to use all of their energy to win game five. And then the Lakers were, the Lakers, you know, role players, and even AD weren't really good in game, game five. Um, so they were ready to go game six. Um, people saying, is this championship tainted? No. 
Well, they're saying there's two different reasons they're saying tainted because the Lakers didn't have to play the Miami Heat at full strength, and because it was in the bubble. People need to stop acting like the Lakers were the only team that didn't have to travel or anything. It's not like the Heat or the Nuggets flew home and then flew back a day later to play, and the Lakers just got to stay there. Every team had the same, same shit. You were all in the bubble. There's no excuses. To me, this was the toughest championship to win, and it proved to me who the best basketball team was. No home court. No flying. You just played on a neutral site, and you played you played a seven-game series. Whoever won, whoever won those games in the seven-game series was the better team for sure. And to me, in the NBA, it's like that all the time. This isn't March Madness, you know? This is where I think upsets, and, and not the, the best team does not win every year in March Madness, in my opinion, you know? Because upsets happen. It's a one-game elimination. Anything can happen in one game. In the NBA, you have... You can play bad three times and win the series. So that just it, in the NBA, there's no huge upsets where it's I think a team's worse. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the best team wins. And people ask, is that the same thing for the Nuggets Clippers? Yes. I think the Nuggets were a more cohesive unit and a better team. I just strictly I I think that. If you and I, that's why I predict the Nuggets to win. I thought they were a better team than the Clippers. I really did. And then when I saw the Clippers struggle with the Mavs, I did have the Clippers winning that series in five, I think. They won in six, and they struggled with the Mavs. And yes, Luka is better than anybody on the Nuggets, but the Nuggets have a better team, a whole overall team. So I felt, you know, I predicted Nuggets to win before, this, before I even saw the Dallas series. But once I saw the Dallas series, I was like, oh yeah, I think my prediction's really coming, going to be correct. I think the Nug- now, if Utah would have won, I think the Clippers would have been in the West Conference Finals. But the Nuggets won. No, the Nuggets beat Utah. So, I think the Nuggets were just a better team. Um, I said it all year long. From the beginning of the season, I said the Lakers were the best team in basketball. I said they were the most cohesive unit. They played. They had the best defense in the NBA. You know, they still had the best player in the world. And then now, I think proven in these playoffs, they have the second best player in the world. Which not this podcast, the next one. I'll get into. I want to do my current top. Uh, going to do a big list episode. I'm going to do my current top fifty NBA players today, and we'll get into that another time. Where I have AD and LeBron ranked one and two, and I think the gap is. You know, everyone said the gap was closing. You know, after LeBron got hurt last year, and then they come into this year, LeBron was ranked the third best player in basketball. Right, I think it was Kawhi one, Giannis two, LeBron three. I think the gap between LeBron and Kawhi and Giannis and everyone else, whoever you want to put in there, is massive. Going into year 18 at 36 years old, the gap is massive. There is a massive gap. LeBron James is clearly the best player in the world by far. He's now also by far the best point guard in the world. He averaged 10 assists a game this year. I expect, I would, I would say, so yeah, this year was 25, 10, and 7, or 10 and 8. I expect next year to be around 25, 12, and 8 or 9. And maybe even flirting with a triple-double next year. But I expect even more assist average by LeBron James. I think the Lakers are going to be even better next year. This is one year this team put together, and I don't think they played their best one time. I really don't. I don't think as a team they played their best. The, the game six was very impressive, but 
I think they can be even better. I think the role player, I think Danny Green's going to be even better. I think Danny Green may have just, you know, I don't know what he did during those three months off. I don't know if he didn't touch basketball or what. I think he's going to be better. So I think the Lakers can be even better next year. That defense they play ain't going to drop off. I expect Kuzma to come back better. I expect Caruso to come back better. Taylor Horton Tucker, I think, is going to be a huge factor in their role next year. I think T's going to be a really good player. So like I said, you know, if I did a top five for the West neck going in next year, or a top if I had to predict a top eight for the West next year, just right now, I would go Lakers one, Warriors two, Nuggets three, Clippers four, Mavericks five, Jazz six, Rockets seven, and I'm actually I'm gonna say Suns eight over Portland. I'm gonna say Suns eight next year. It's my prediction right now. Obviously we're not even close to the next season starting, not even close to free agency and trades and stuff. So that's just right now. I don't think there's going to be much wheeling and dealing going on. I think a lot of guys want to stay put. I don't think they really want to move during these times of the COVID times. I think you're going to see 2021 is going to be massive movement, massive offseason. But I think most likely the teams are going to remain kind of the same going into next year. Maybe a little trade here and there, like Oladipo or Beal could be moved possibly. And those could decide some rankings for sure. Um, going in next year, like this is me saying the teams are going to remain relatively the same. For the East, I would go one, Brooklyn, two, Milwaukee, three, Boston, four, Miami, five, Philly, six, Indiana. Hmm. The East is tough. I'm going to say fully healthy, Wizards will be seven. And then I think I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Bulls take a leap, and I'm gonna say Bulls at eight into the playoffs next year. I really love their youth, their athleticism. I like the Bulls to reach the playoffs next year. I really do. And the Magic are still right there for the seven or eight too. So, but yeah, I think the Lakers were just the best. The, the whole you can't say this season's t- this title's tainted because of injuries because, well, then you have to say that about. The last year's title. Kawhi didn't have to play Kevin Durant, but for 12 minutes. Klay Thompson got hurt in game, what, five or six? Game five, I think. Game six. Klay got hurt. Well, then you can't count the Warriors 2015 title. LeBron didn't have Kyrie or Kevin Love. So you you, you got to balance it. You can't, you can't be hypocritical and say one title didn't count. All titles count. People like to say Kevin Durant's two titles don't mean anything. I think each title has a different value to them. And I do think KD's is maybe one of the least valued titles of all time because of the way he went there. But it still counts, and it's still a title. Like, it doesn't hurt his legacy that he has those. You know? And I think it, it validates it even more. if he's Let's say he's able to win a title in Brooklyn as clearly the number one guy with a guy in Kyrie that has won a championship. But in my opinion, he's dropped off since the, the title. He's become just more of a head case, in my opinion. He's crazy. He's a little different. So I think if he wins a title in Brooklyn, it validates it even more, those two championships that he won in Golden State. So, yeah. Let's get into Bleacher Report's five blockbuster trades that would shake up the offseason. Um, so I'm going to list out the trades. I'm going to say how likely these trades are to happen. And then I give each team a grade. So Milwaukee trades Bloods- Eric Bledsoe and Dante DiVincenzo to Indiana for Victor Oladipo. I think this is a 9 out of 10 potentially happening. Um, this makes ton, tons of sense. 
if Oladipo can remain healthy, I think this trade makes a ton of sense for Milwaukee. Um, they can plug George Hill in as their point guard, who I don't think is that much worse than Eric Bledsoe. Then you have Victor Oladipo, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. Great defensive team. And I think it makes more sense because I've always said Milwaukee's never going to win a title or Giannis is not going to win a title in Milwaukee because if Chris Middleton's your number two. I don't think you can do it. He's a great player, but I don't think he's a number two. Now, Oladipo is your number two, and Middleton is your three. Different story. I think they have a legit... I would put them as the favorites over Brooklyn to win it if they were able to get this trade and Oladipo's healthy. I did B for the Pacers because, I mean, I do think it's the Pacers take a back step if they lose Oladipo. And it's not like I would have... I would still put them at six, though. So it's really it's really just they're going to stay around the same in the East, I think, as the six. For India, for Milwaukee, I think it's an A-. minus. I mean... Are you, it's it's a great trade for them. He's a great defensive player. He's another play. He's another guy that can go get a bucket. So I really like this trade for Milwaukee. Um, Denver trades Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Monty Morris, and two first round draft picks in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty four for Bradley Beal. I think it's a really good trade. I think it's got about I would say a seven or a seven and a half out of ten happening because I really don't know. We haven't really heard of what Washington wants to do because John Wall's coming back healthy. Who knows what's going to happen? If Do they want to run it back and see what they can do with those two guys? Because, I mean, they have been good in the past. They have been able to be a top-five team in the East when those two are healthy. So do they want to run it back and run it one more year? And if they can't make a run, then maybe you blow it up. But do you want to come – so that's why I put it as a 7.5 of most likely happening or a 7 because who know, we don't really know what Washington wants to do. Now, again, this is Bleacher Reports, not mine. I, I've, had, I've done trades. I've done my trades before, and I'll probably do some more. I'll probably – cut my list up to one trade that I think could realistically happen for guys that could be on the move. But yeah, so there's Bleacher Report's uh, blockbuster trades that could shake up the offseason. I give it a 7 because I don't know what Washington wants to do. I give it an A- for the Nuggets because, I mean, come on. Your starting lineup projected next year could be um, Murray, Beal, Craig, Grant, and Jokic, and Will Barton is your sixth man. And then you're going to hope Bull Bull takes a step uh, takes a step up. And I gave them an A minus, and I gave the Wizards a B plus because I think you're getting a guy that could potentially be a superstar, Michael Porter Jr. So I don't think the Wizards lose. I think they lose this trade, but not by much because I think you get some good assets. You get an extra pick this year. Pick this year. You get a future first, and you get Michael Porter Jr., who I think could be a superstar. So I think it's a seven out of ten potentially happening. A minus for the Nuggets. B plus for the Wizards. So we'll get in. We'll get into this one more. There's one more. There's two three teamers. We'll get into the three teamers last. So Golden State trades Andrew Wiggins, Kavon Looney, Jordan Poole, the number two pick, and Minnesota's 2021 first top three protected next year for Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross, and the number fifteenth pick. I love this trade all around. The Warriors need a big, and they and I understand that they could take James Wiseman at two, but them in Orlando are Golden State's here to win now. Vucevic is 30. You go get your center, right? So your starting lineup going next year is Curry, Clay, Terrence Ross, Draymond Green, and Vucevic, and then you build around that. I think it's a great trade for both teams because I think, you know, Orlando, I don't think, I think they know even with Vucevic, they're not contending. So now they get the number two pick. They'd probably take Wiseman with that pick. So they get their center for the future, who's only 19 years old. Uh, Wiggins still young, Looney and Poole young, and you get Minnesota's pick next year, which if it finishes outside the top three, you get it. So I love that trade for both teams. Uh, likelihood, I would, I would go six out of ten. 
think it, it could it could happen. It's going to be tough, but it could happen. Um, I think it's great for both teams. I gave the Magic an A minus, and I gave because you get your future guy and a pick next year. And I gave the Warriors an A because you're win now, and Terrence Ross and Nicole Vucevic are win now guys. And it's not like, and then you still get the fifteenth pick if you're Golden State, so you can get maybe get a guy that you pick a guy that's ready now, maybe a a guy that's been in college for you know three or four years. And he's in, he's able to come in and play in the rotation next year, and you still have Pash, you still have Pashal. So I mean, I think it's a great trade, Kai Bowman. So I think it's a really good trade for both teams. So let's get into the first three teamer. Houston gets Ben Simmons, Julius Randle, Mike Scott, Wayne Ellington, Dennis Smith Jr. New York Knicks get Russell Westbrook, and Philly gets James Harden. Okay. So I think people are going to think the Knicks lost this trade. Which I think the Rockets lose it most. So the Knicks, all they had to give up was Julius Randle, Wayne Ellington, and Dennis Smith Jr. to get Westbrook. And I understand what you're saying about what I understand. I've bashed Westbrook too. Here's where the Knicks are, though. Why not trade for Westbrook for these two years? Because um, you know the Knicks are the Knicks, the Knicks have drafted so bad. I think they're still three, four years away from being able to put a team together to win. So why not bring Westbrook in for two years? He's gonna, you know, he's gonna. You're going to sell out Madison Square Garden because Westbrook's going to average 35, 13, and 11 next year. And then, you know, your jersey sales go up because Westbrook's a Nick. You know, people are going to eyeballs around the Knicks because Westbrook is going to have an unbelievable year. Maybe he can carry you to an eight seed. He's done that before in the West, so could he do it in the East? Um, I think Houston loses this trade because, you get yeah, you get Ben Simmons, but who do you got around him, really? I'm not a fan of their roster. Philly wins the trade. I would love to see James Harden and Joel Embiid on the same team. Likelihood of this trade happening, I gave it a 1 out of 10, though. I don't see this really happening. I don't think I don't think the Rockets blow it up. I think they do run it back another year with Westbrook and Harden. I don't see a reason not to because I don't. you get worse in this trade. And I don't think there's a trade out there that can get you better because I think if you trade Westbrook, you're going to trade him for a bad contract, a guy that's not very good, you know? So I give the Rockets a C, the Knicks a B minus, and the Sixers an A plus. Sixers lose, they do lose Ben Simmons and Mike Scott, but they're able to bring in James Harden, who's a better player than Ben Simmons now. And if the Sixers are going one now, this can make sense. But a one out of ten. Another three teamer. This one I really like. So, so right now you got to think Orlando's already traded away Vucevic Ross. And the number 15th pick. Now they have Wiggins, Looney, Jordan Poole, let's say James Wiseman on their team. Now, New Orleans gets Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Teron Prince, and Brooklyn's 2021 first. Orlando now adds Karis Levert as well. And the Nets get Drew Holiday and Aaron Gordon. Makes so much sense for the Nets in this in this trade. You add Drew Holiday and Aaron Gordon. So now your starting lineups: Kyrie, Drew Holiday, KD, Aaron Gordon, and DeAndre Jordan. That's a great starting lineup. Their favorites out east by a, a landslide, in my opinion, if that's their team. Makes sense for the Pelicans. You lose Drew Holiday, but you gain Dinwiddie and Jared Allen, two young guys that are really good to build around your young core. And then Orlando gets Karis LeVert. While only losing Aaron Gordon, who I think they want to get rid of. And then you bring in Karis LeVert, a guy that can score the ball at an elite level. I gave the Pelicans an A-, and I gave the Magic and Nets both A's. Likelihood of this happening, though, I'll say 4 out of 10. I'm, a, I'm more on it than the other three-team trade, 
but I still don't know if this happens. It's very tough to get three-team trades done, especially with all, all these good players. So, um, we're going to say, we're going to do the, hmm. okay, so the mock draft. Just post it on Twitter as well. We'll go through it quickly. And I'll get into it more as the draft gets closer. I'll do a, I'll do a draft special podcast, and I'll get into it more. So this can be quick hits. Just I'm gonna list you one through thirty quickly. At one, I got the Wolves. To, this is it with no nothing being traded. Every pick is the same because I mean obviously I can't predict trades are gonna happen. I mean I could predict them, but we're just gonna go off of who I think these teams would take in this spot. Minnesota takes Lamelo Ball. Golden State takes James Wiseman. Charlotte takes Anthony Edwards at three. The Bulls take Denny Avije at four. The Cavs take Obi Toppin at five. The Atlanta Hawks take Tyrese Halliburton at six. The Pistons take Onieka Okungwu at seven. The New York Knicks take Killian Hayes at eight. At nine, the Wizards take Isaac Okoro. At 10, the Phoenix Suns take Patrick Williams. At 11, the San Antonio Spurs take Devin Vassell, shooting guard from Florida State. At 12, the Kings take Aaron or Aaron uh, Nesmith from Vanderbilt. At 13, the Pelicans take J- Jamias Ramsey from Tech. At 14, the Boston Celtics take Jaden McDaniels from Washington. At 15, the Magic take Cole Anthony. At 16, the Blazers take Tyler Bay from Colorado. At 17, the Timberwolves take Precious Achua. At 18, the Dallas Mavericks take RJ Hampton. At 19, the Brooklyn Nets take Vernon Carey. At 20, the Miami Heat take Sadiq Bay. At 21, Tyrese, the 76ers take Tyrese Maxey. At 22, the Nuggets take Theo Maldon. At 23, the Jazz take Tyler, uh, Tyrell Terry. At 24, the Milwaukee Bucks take Josh Green. At 25, the Thunder take Nico Mannion. At 26, the Boston Celtics take Kiara Lewis, Kiara Lewis from Alabama point guard. At 27, the Knicks take Isaiah Stewart, power forward from Washington. At 28, the Lakers take Devon Dotson, point guard from Kansas. At 29, Toronto Raptors take Daniel Aturu, center from Minnesota. And at 30, Boston Celtics take Philip Petruze. Petruze. It's an interesting name. Philip Petrusev, center from Gonzaga. So like I said, when the draft gets closer, I'm going to do like a full, like, I'm going to do like a full NBA NBA uh, offseason and NBA draft special podcast where it's just talking about that. So we'll get into that a lot more. This is my 1.0. So, you know, it'll be updated as, as, as I do more research and as more of I hear as I hear things, it'll be updated. College football. So this is my first college football power 20 rankings. I did not add the Big Ten or the Pac-12 into these rankings yet because they have not played a football game. So I've chosen not to add them into this. At 20, I got North Carolina State. They're 3-1. and one. At 19, I got Marshall. They're 3-0. and At 18, I have Oklahoma, 2-2. Two and two. At 17, Iowa State, 3-1. and one. At 16, Kansas State, 3-1. and one. 15, Louisiana Lafayette, 3-0. and oh. 14, Auburn. They are 2-1. and one. 13, Tennessee. They are also 2-1. and one. 12, SMU, 4-0. 11, Miami, 2-1. 10, BYU, 4-0. 9, Florida, 2-1. 8, Texas A&M, 2-1. 7, Cincinnati, they are 3-0. 6, Notre Dame, also 3-0. 5, Oklahoma State, 3-0. North Carolina, 3-0 at number 4. Georgia at number 3, they are 3-0. Number 2, Alabama at number 1, Clemson. 
So there's my first Power 20 rankings of the season. I did not include... Well, again, they play the 24th, they'll get included. Even though they only have one game, you'll know who's good and who's not. So my five best games of the week predictions. I'm 20-5 and five to start the year. I'm on fire right now. Um, good games this week, not at the level it was last week. Last week, there's a lot of good games to predict. But So you got LSU taking on number nine, Florida. My number nine, Florida. I have Florida winning 34-24. Uh, next game, Georgia-Alabama, two versus three. I'm going Georgia in an upset, 27-24. I like Georgia's defense, and I do not like Alabama's. So I'm going Georgia 27-24 over the number two team in the country. That's two versus three. My number eight ranked team, Texas A&M, taking on Mississippi State. I got A&M winning 38-27 on the road. Boston College versus Virginia Tech. I think this is going to be a very good game. I love Boston College's spread at 12.5. But I do have Virginia Tech winning 34-30 in a tight one. Cincinnati at Tulsa. Cincinnati only a a 2.5 point favorite. I got them winning 35-23. So now spreads of the week. Uh, I'm 19-6. Doing really good in the spreads as well. I was not good last year in college football, really, for bets and the spreads. I got A&M at minus 6.5 at Mississippi State. Boston College plus 12.5 at Virginia Tech. Cincinnati minus 2.5 at Tulsa. I think Miami bounces back huge. I got them at minus 9.5 for Virginia T- versus Pittsburgh. So that's a 9.5 is a lot, but I'm taking, I'm taking the 9.5. And I'm going rolling with Miami. And then I got Tennessee, minus 5.5 versus Kentucky. I think they bounce back as well. So now NFL. Um, Jarrett Stidham will get the start. But it sounds like if Cam can't go, but it sounds like Cam's practicing today. So Cam could be going Sunday. Big for the Patriots. They need Cam back. Um, Should a team trade for Darnold? I think Sam Darnold's a good quarterback. I'm not with everyone else. You know, everyone else, uh, they're really, they're really, you know, they're really not huge on Darnold. Um, I am. I think if Darnold was on a team like Chicago or the Colts, I think they would both be. The Bears are still somehow four and one, which I just don't understand. I don't understand how they're four and one. I don't understand. The Colts, especially. If the Colts had Darnold, I think they'd be almost undefeated or like four and one at this point. And I think the Jets could get a first-rounder from the Colts or the Bears. In my honest opinion. Uh, Jets cut Le'Veon Bell. So Le'Veon is off the Jets. No team would even trade a seventh-rounder for him, which you're not going to with that contract because now you can just sign him for the minimum. I expect him to get signed for sure. We'll see where. I don't know. Belichick calling? Who knows? (laughs) Back to Pittsburgh? Be kind of cool. Um, really shocked that the Washington bench benched Haskins. I don't understand why you're not letting this guy just keep playing. Your division is, they're right there. They're a game back. They're one and four. Right? One and four, one and three, one of the two. So why is he not, I just don't understand why you're not letting him have a chance still. They want Alex Smith as their starter, which is crazy. Sounds like they want him as their full-time starter. They're going to try to trade Haskins. That's telling me they want to draft one of the three top quarterbacks in this draft coming up. Lance Fielder, uh, Lawrence. So I guess I don't know. I would have let Haskins keep playing. Dak is out for the season, compound fracture. Was good to hear though. It's only a four to six month injury, so he should be back by next year. Now people are saying, is his time in Dallas over? 
Will Jerry use this as a, you know, negotiation tactic in the in negotiation? I hope not, but I'm going to tell you right now, Jerry Jones will use this against Dak. For Dak Prescott, if you're thinking selfishly, you really don't want the Cowboys to do to win this division. Let's say the Cowboys go eight and eight and win the win the division, go to the playoffs. That means Andy Dalton would have went seven and five. When it comes to contract talks this offseason, they're gonna say you were one and three, and Andy Dalton went seven and five. That's what they're gonna say. As you know, as disrespectful as that is, I think they're going to use that. Jerry Jones is a businessman. They're going to use that, and they're going to say, Lou, we offered you $34 million a year. We're still going to offer you 28 to 30 but you're not getting what you wanted now with that injury. And you were 1-3, and three, and Andy Dalton went 7-5. They will use that, I promise you. I hope his time is not over in Dallas. Top four, My top five spreads of the week. Not doing good in real. I'm 14-11 in the NFL. You know, last year's out about a 60% clip, though. I was a lot better to start. Or as yeah, and I'm not you know, I started off pretty well. I think what we were ten and ten and five and we have bad week here and there, but yeah, it is what it is. Um so this week I got the Lions at minus two and a half at Jacksonville. I got the Vikings minus two and a half at home versus the Falcons. I got the Chiefs minus two and a half at Buffalo. I got the Dolphins at minus eight and a half versus the Jets, and I got the Rams minus three and a half at San Fran. So game six predictions, or week six game predictions. Last year I was a 79.3 win percentage. Right now I'm in a 66.2, so we got to get going. Um, uh, so Sunday early games. I got the Browns. Browns versus Steelers. I got the Browns winning 20-17. to 17. Broncos Patriots. This is right now as if Cam is going. My prediction may change a little bit if Cam's not going because I think Drew Locke is going. I'm going 27-23 Patriots if Cam is going. I'm, sw- I'm switching to Denver if Cam's not going. I got Panthers beating the Bears 24-20. I haven't picked the Bears one time this year, and they still, they're still they 4-1. They're, they're hurting me. They're hurting me in the predictions. Uh, Bengals over the Colts. I'm going Bengals upset over the Colts this week, 24-23. Lions 30, Jaguars 27. I got the Vikings beating the Falcons at home, 31-24. I got Washington beating the Giants, 26-19. Ravens beating the Eagles, 34-26. And Texans upsetting the Titans, 28-27. Maybe I should stop going with the upsets. Only three later games on Sunday. I got Dolphins, 33, Jets, 20. I am going Buccaneers over Packers. I think Tom's here in the chirp, and I think he comes out and plays really well. Buccaneers, 31-27 over the Packers. And then I got Rams over Niners, 28-20. Two Monday Night Football games. I got Chiefs, 35, Bills, 27. And then on Monday Night Football, the later game, yep, I'm riding with my boys. Cowboys, 24. Cardinals, 23. Cowboys are going to change a lot. Dominate time of possession. They're going to run the football. Dominate time of possession with Ezekiel Elliott. That's what the Cowboys are going to have to turn to. And that's honestly just what the Cowboys should have been the whole year, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Okay, so now we got my Power 12 post-Week 5 standings. I got the uh, 
Raiders at three and two at twelve. I got the Bills all the way down to eleven. I'm not high on the Bills because their defense is way worse than last year, and I'm still not completely sold on Josh Allen. I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. I think there are three, maybe four legit, maybe you go as far as five Super Bowl contenders. I think the for sure three are the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers, and then you could throw in the Titans and the Patriots. And then I like the, I don't like the I like the Bills outside of that. I think the Bills, I consider them more of a uh, a Cleveland, 6-7 and seven rank. You know? I really love Cleveland right now. Their defense is nice. It's, it's either going to get together. Their offense looks really good. At 10, I got the New England Patriots at 2-2. Two and two. Cam's back. Cam is back. I love the Patriots. They're my fourth team. I would put them over the Titans and Cam's healthy. I really would. At 9, Tampa Bay, 3-2. and two. Tough loss to the Bears. I think they bounced back this week, though. I got them at 9. At 8, I got the Rams. I mean, 4-1. and one. They look tremendous this year. The Rams look really good this year. They're, very sh- they're, the, they're the shock to me. They're the absolute shock to me of the of the season. I have them at finishing 4th in their division. They're probably going to finish 2, at worst 3rd, if the Cardinals can find a way to get going again. At 7, I got the Cleveland Browns. I'm sold right now. They got tons of weapons. They got a good run game. Their defense could get better, but I think their defense is fine. They have one bad game against Dallas. I think their defense is good, though. At six, Tennessee. I cannot put them there. Their defense looks good. The running game's good. Tannehill's playing really good. Again, they're outside my Super Bowl bubble, as Colin Coward likes to call it. You know, like in the NFC, in the NFC, I also only have three teams in my Super Bowl bubble, <laughs> to be honest. I don't have the Rams in there. I have them just right outside. My Super Bowl, and then so you got the Steelers. I got the Steelers at five. They're just consistently being good. Seahawks at four. Packers at three. Baltimore at two. Chiefs, they lost. I don't care. One. Teams have losses. So like I said, my Super Bowl bubble for the NFC, my teams that I think have right now looking at these teams who have the legit shot of winning the Super Bowl. I have Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers in my AFC bubble. In my NFC bubble, I have Packers, Seahawks, Buccaneers. I still think the Buccaneers are going to find it. It takes time. They're 3-2. I think they're much better than the Saints. I don't like the Saints at all. I'm not high on the Saints at all. So there are my rankings and my predictions for the week. Hopefully, you know, prayers up to Dak Prescott. Hopefully he's full recovery back next year. Hurts losing him, but we'll march on this season for the rest. Oh, we can get to the playoffs for him. Get into the playoffs. Combat Sports. So, uh, Khabib says his chances are slim to none. He fights Connor again, and he thinks Tony's done. Let's start off with the Connor thing. Um, this guy makes no sense to me. You know, he's so he's so inconsistent. At first, it was Connor needs to win two fights to get a title shot. Then he said ten. Then he said, "Oh, if Connor beats Poirier, he can have the title shot." Then these DMs get leaked. Connor releases uh, leaks these DMs with him and Dana. Because Dana was saying Connor was turning down fights. And he was not. Connor was asking for multi he asked for four fights this year. You know, three fights, not counting Diego Sanchez. He said, I'll fight Tony. Actually, no, it was five. I'll fight Tony. I'll fight Justin. I'll fight DP. I'll fight Nate. I'll fight Diego Sanchez. I don't care. Just give me a fight. 
And Daniel was saying that Conor was turning him down, which in all reality, Daniel Cormier and Ariel Hawani said it best. The UFC did not want Conor McGregor to fight because there was no gate money. They made $200 million off the gate and pay-per-view when Khabib fought Conor. They made another over $100 million on the pay-per-view and gate when Conor fought Cowboy. They want Conor when fans are there. That's what the holdup was. And I had said that from the beginning. I said that from I said that back in March and April when they didn't give Conor the Gaethje fight. I said, this is the reason they're doing this. And I'm right. I was right. Call me Mystic Mac. I was absolutely right. Khabib, fuck off. No one cares about him. I can't I just can't believe that people actually can't see through his bullshit. Now he says, Oh, I'm never fighting him again because he, he leaked some DMs about Dana. This wasn't about you and Dana. Oh, this wasn't about you and Connor. This was Connor and Dana. No, you're out of this business, dude. No one cares. And if I'm Connor, I'm going to make it to where Khabib comes to fight me. I'm not going out of my way to fight him now. And Connor's not because Connor's going to now. Connor McGregor's back. We'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into where, when Connor's fighting. He has two fights lined up a UFC one, a boxing one. So Khabib's not happening until the end of next year, if it ever happens. Then he says, Tony Ferguson's done. He said, you know, I think when you take a beating like Tony has and taking the punishment he has over his career, and especially the Gagey fight was bad, he thinks that in Tony's next fight, he's going to get ran through by whoever he fights, which it sounds like it's probably Michael Chandler. Finally, all these guys are fighting each other, though. I don't know what to say about the Tony. I want to see Tony fight before I say that. I'm not going, I'm not going out of my way to say Tony's done. We'll see what happens in the Chandler fight. I think that's next. That should be next. Um, so Connor and Dustin Poirier is happening. The fight has been agreed to terms. January 23rd, UFC 257. Connor McGregor, Dustin Poirier 2. Most likely going to happen in Vegas. Connor would like to have it in Dallas at Cowboys Stadium because they're allowed to hold fans in Texas. Well, Khabib, let's not go back on your word now. You said if Conor McGregor beat Dustin Poirier, you would rematch him. And now you're coming out saying all this bullshit. So Conor McGregor has two fights lined up. He's going to fight Dustin Poirier. Win. He's going to win. Yeah, if he loses, the Manny fight could be off. Because the sting of it, you know, Conor comes in off a UFC loss. Everyone's like, well, dude, I mean, the guy's not winning. You know, he's lost in the UFC now again. So he beats Dustin Poirier, which I think he does relatively easy. And then in the summer of 2021, he's going to box Manny Pacquiao. Um, which is not like that matters. Khabib fights once every year and a half anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Khabib will probably fight Gaethje and then not fight till the end of 2021 because he's a fucking absolute vag. But I just don't want to. I'm not going to get into Khabib right now hard. Um, but uh, yeah, so Connor's going to fight Poirier January 23rd. Then he's going to box Manny Pacquiao in the summer of 2021 and then he'll come back to the UFC and fight for a world title in my opinion at the end of 2021 whether that unless he beats Pacquiao then they'll rematch there'll be a pacquiao Connor rematch so but if he beats you know let's just say he beats Pacquiao I think he beats Pacquiao we'll get I'm gonna I, I have gotten into this very hard but I've watched so many Manny boxing matches I'm you know re-watching Connor what he did against Floyd what he could do against Manny but uh yeah so, yeah, I think he comes back at the end of 2021 and fights either for the welterweight or the lightweight title, whichever, you know, one wants to fight him. Or maybe the Masvidal fight could be there. 
Or the Nate fight. It's a long ways away. It's a year away. Year away, he's going to come back and fight a second time in the tw- in 2021. He's going to fight once, and then he's going to fight a second time. He says, hopefully everything gets closer to back to normal in 2021. And he can fight three times. Two in the UFC, one in boxing. King is back, though. Poirier, January 23rd. Uh, so, the, so every, Connor and Dustin wanted to fight November 21st at UFC 255. But Dana goes, well, we have championship fights on those cards, so uh, can't have a headliner of a non-title fight. Dana, what are you talking about, bro? What are you talking... So you're going to throw away a pay-per-view. Figanato versus whoever the fuck he's fighting on a main event of a pay-per-view. 14 people are going... Maybe 100 people are going to buy that. Why not throw Connor on that card? You throw Connor Poirier November 21st. You know, then Valentina Shevchenko and Figueiredo get 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 more eyeballs on their fight. Instead, you're going to do a pay per view that I believe will do under a hundred thousand buys. We're now being real. The hundred thing was unrealistic. I believe that pay per view does like fifty to sixty, maybe seventy thousand buys. That is a dud. You throw Connor on top of that card, and why are Figueiredo and Shevchenko really going to say no? We don't want Connor on that card. You go from 70,000 eyeballs to about 2 million eyeballs. What are we doing? Makes no sense to me. Then UFC 256 adds Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan. And the main event's Nunes and Megan Anderson. Again, I don't think that pay-per-view does good. It might, have, might be around 100,000 buys. Now, I don't know if their plan is to add a third title fight. Maybe Stipe Ganu. Jones style bender, who knows, but that's not a good pay per view uh, to me. Yes, Nunez is an all time great, but she no everyone knows what's going to happen in that fight. You're not going to sp- you know people aren't going to spend all that money to watch her fight Megan Anderson. Nobody knows who Megan Anderson is besides the diehards. Come on, man. This is Dana wanting to show that he has power. I'm going to throw away a pay per view on November 21st and get forty thousand buys. Because I want to be a stickler, and I want to have it my way. How about you do what's best for the business and get a $2 million pay-per-view on November 21st? I believe Khabib Gaethje does 1.5 to 2 million buys. Maybe a million to 1.5. Your last two pay-per-views of the year aren't even going to come close to matching that. You're not going to get 500,000 buys each of those pay-per-views. I say at the most, you get 200,000 buys total on your last two pay-per-views. And let's say you get a million. So your last two pay-per-views are five times worse pay-per-view-wise than Khabib Gaethje. Come on, man. Just makes no sense to me. Connor and Gaethje are ready to go now. So why are or Connor and Poirier ready to go now? So why are we not doing it now? Why are we waiting till January? I mean, I'm happy. It's, I'm so happy it's happening. But why wait? I don't understand it, man. Uh, so let's get into a oh, shout out to Joquan Buckley. I think I pronounced that right for that spinning head kick. That was unbelievable. Greatest knock, possibly the greatest knockout I've ever seen with Masvidal. Unbelievable balance and technique there. That was great. Shout out to that guy. Um, so what's next? Carlos Condit. We're doing some last two last two cards. We're gonna give the what's next. So Carlos Condit got a big win over Court McGee. I'd like to see him fight Matt Brown or Anthony Pettis. 
Uh, Juliana Pena, who lost to Jermaine Durandamy. Um, I'd like to see her fight. Irene Aldana, who we also have on this list, who lost to Holly Holm, or Sarah McMahon. And then Aldana fights either Juliana Pena or uh, Yana Kutskaya. Jermaine Durandamy, I'd love to see a rematch against Holly Holm or her fight, uh, Caitlin Vieira. And then Holly Holm at Jermaine Durandamy or Aspen Ladd, one of those two. Ben Rothwell. Cut or retire? Please, dude, you're done. You're just done. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I love Ben Rothwell. Retire or UFC's got to cut him. He can go fight overseas somewhere. Uh, Marcin Tybera, great win for him. Uh, I'd like to see him fight either uh, Blagoy Ivanov or Alexei Olenek. Barboza got a huge win. I'd like to see him fight either Shane Burgos or uh, Sadiq Yusuf. Marlon Marais, tough loss to Sanhagen. Marais, an Aldo rematch makes a ton of sense to me because how close that fight was. Or Pedro Munoz. Corey Sandhagen, two options. You either fight Frank Yeager because he's the only guy under you that is not. So Sandhagen's number two, Marais is three, Edgar's four. So you only fight Edgar or you wait. You wait to fight the winner of Aljo and Peter Jan. That's the, that's your options. All right, so now let's get into fight night. UFC fight night, Ortega versus Korean Zombie at Fight Island. Good fight card. Um, you know, not huge names, but if you're a, a diehard UFC fan, good card. Thomas Almeida's back. Versus Jonathan Martinez, featherweight bout. I got Almeida via second round TKO. Jimmy Crute, one of the young studs, 24 years old in the light heavyweight division, uh, fighting, I think it's Modestas Bukakis. I got Crute via first round KO. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian is fighting Jessica Andrade. Andrade moving up to flyweight. I got Andrade via UD. I think she's going to look really good at flyweight. And I think she wins that fight. Um... Uh, Cyril Gane versus Anti Delizia in a heavyweight belt. I got Gane via second round TKO. In the main event, Brian Ortega versus Korean Zombie. Dana White has stated this is the number one contender fight. The winner will fight Alexander Volkanovsky for the uh, featherweight title. I got Zombie via third round TKO. All right, so we wanted me to do a little more favorite list and go off. You know, don't have to be completely sports. I did my favorite top five favorite movie series, top five favorite TV shows. Top five all-time baseball players. And then I did do my top 25 all-time favorite athletes. So let's get into baseball players first. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not huge on MLB. I'm not, I don't watch baseball. I like watching playoff baseball, but I'm not huge on MLB. Uh, back in the day, one of my buddies watched every Red Sox game. That we were huge Red Sox fans. So I still do run on the Sox. Kershaw is my favorite player now. Um, number five, Dustin Pedroia. Number four, Salvador Perez, catcher for the Royals. I love the I root for the Royals. They're at Kansas City, so I root for them. Perez, number four all time. Three is Kershaw. Uh, two is David Ortiz, and my all time favorite is Manny Ramirez. Not even a question. Top five favorite TV shows. Again, I you know I have a few favorite TV shows. It's not like I watch TV shows and movies really hard, but you know I had to come up with a list. I did five. I got Pawn Star. I love Pawn Star. It's a pretty cool show. You know, it's 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 not a great show, but I mean. Again, and then number four, Jersey Shore. Big Jersey Shore guy. Uh, love the Jersey Shore. Three, Outer Banks. Obviously, that's the Netflix show. That season one was phenomenal. Can't wait for season two. One of my favorites. Two is Friends, and one is Psych. So those are my top five favorite TV shows. Top five favorite movie series. Number five, Transformers. Four, Iron Man. Three, Spider-Man. Both now and, uh, you know, now and then. But Spider-Man is definitely number three. I love Spider-Man. Uh, two, Rocky. And one, Jurassic Park slash World. All five. And I can't wait for the... I cannot wait for the third one. So now let's do my top 25. 
all-time favorite athletes. I, 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 I didn't even I, – I just went off the top of my head. I went off the top of my head. What could I think of? Who could I think of and stuff? So here we go. Number 25, Sharon Collins, point guard from Kansas, four-year guy. I love Sharon. At 24, Chris Bosh. 23, Dwayne Wade. 22, already Anthony Davis. He's moving up the list slowly but surely. 21, Frank Mason, second favorite KU player ever. Eh, probably third. Um, 20, Colby Covington. Three in a row soccer players. 19, Tim Howard. 18, Clint Dempsey. And already 17, Christian Pulisic. At 16, Devontae Graham. 15, Kevin Love. 14, Mario Chalmers. 13, Des Bryant. 12, Tony Romo. And 11, Uriah Faber. So that's 11 through 25. At 10, Michael Phelps. Greatest Olympian ever. By far, the greatest Olympian ever. I saw this dude do a TikTok. And he does legend or not. And this is just made me think of the Olympics. He said, Usain Bolt and Sean White are not legends. That had me very confused. I'm not going to lie. Really confused. Nine, Tito Ortiz. Eight, Anderson Silva. Seven, already Patrick Mahomes. Six, Cristiano Ronaldo. Now we're getting to the top five. Five, Tyson Fury. Four, Money Man, Johnny Manziel. Three, Tiger Woods. Two, LeBron James. And one, Conor McGregor. That is my top 25 favorite athletes of all time. So, probably be back on the next podcast. Um, Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday. Uh, wait till the NFL week's over. And then also we'll get in Khabib Gaethje hard. And that fight card is nasty. Six fight main card. Cannot wait. Um, early start time. I believe 1 o'clock. 2 Eastern. They're starting that fight They're starting that fight card at 1 o'clock to cater to Khabib. He's a crybaby. People ask who am I rooting for? Khabib or Gaethje. I'm rooting for Khabib. Strictly because I want Connor to have another crack at him while he's undefeated. So yeah. Khabib. I'll root for Khabib. I don't like either guy. I really hate I really dislike both guys. I'll root for Khabib, though, because I want him to be undefeated. And again, let me say it again. The Lakers are 2020 NBA champions. No one can take that from them. You know, ball up that oh, tainted championship Mickey Mouse rings. Ball it up into, you know, just ball that thing up. Toss it right into the trash can and get on with yourself, okay? We'll be back Tuesday. Thank you.